Hello and welcome to The Stinger, a super fan's guide to the latest in Marvel, Star Wars, and other nerd entertainment. Joining me on today's episode, he uh, he just whipped up a nice three-course meal, uh, but the secret ingredient is mushrooms, fungi, and all of them. It's Trent Neely. How we doing, Trent? We're doing good. I actually am uh, facing my, you know, facing the phobias a little bit. Every time I get mushrooms on a burger now, I'm always like, hmm, do I, do I trust these mushrooms? I don't know. Like, I guess we're, I guess we're taking the gamble here today. I'll never, I agree with you. I will never look at mushrooms the same. Like, you know, we're about to go watch the Super Mario Brothers movie here in a few weekends. And I'm just like, Mushroom Kingdom looking kind of shady these days. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you all for being here. For joining us for today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave a rate and review. Um, follow us on social media at the Stinger Pod. Today, Trent, we are eager to talk about the second half of The Last of Us. All right, how are you feeling about this today? I'm feeling good, man. You know, there there was a lot of great stuff uh, in in the season as a whole, and especially the second half. Really amazing stuff that I can't wait to talk about. But there there was some. There was some stuff that I didn't love per se. So, so if you thought maybe our first episode was a little too obsessively loving on the show, I, I got I got some some constructive critiques <laughs> that I can whip out for for the listeners today. Okay, that's very interesting because I, in uh, full transparency, the we'll be honest, The Last of Us ended a while ago, um, but due to our schedules and the Mandalorian being out, like we're like you know what, we're not going to be able to get to this till till later. So because of that, I didn't finish the show until literally earlier this week. I watched the, fa- the, the final two episodes. I'm riding high right now. After watching that finale, I'm like high as a kite about the show. So I feel like our perspectives might be a little different here. I'm very interested to, to hear your your critiques because like right now, all I can think about is those final two episodes. Those final two episodes are incredible. That's not where my critiques come from. I think those two I had were, a feeling. were masterful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a I had a feeling that was probably the case. So I say let's jump right into it. So mm-hmm. so as always, let's gather our thoughts and opinions. Let's slip on our Jedi robes and enter the council chamber to discuss what we liked, what we didn't like about the first season of The Last of Us. Um so Last time you heard us talk about this, we had our, our buddies John and Moscano on with us to talk about episodes one through three. So today's podcast, we are going to discuss the rest of the season, episodes four through nine. And and first, let me let me just start very general. Trent, uh, what did you like or not like about the second half of uh, so these these five episodes or so of The Last of Us? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's start out with the positives, right? Um, I I I loved Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal, um, as as Joel and Ellie in the beginning, and I loved them even more in this second half because the second half is where we really got into the to the nitty gritty of their them forming their bond, right? Um, the first mm-hmm. three was sort of them introducing the world and getting to know each other, and Joel sort of intentionally trying to keep Ellie at arm's length. Here in the second half, you see sort of against his. Uh, Against all his best efforts, he he really becomes attached to Ellie, and I think they 
they nailed the dynamic that at the core is the same from the game, but I think they came at it from a totally different perspective than um, Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker did. Um, I think they did a fantastic job. I think the world building that like the way they created just the world of the last of us throughout the second half of the show was great. Um, and, and specific moments from the game were, were either perfectly recreated or perfectly sort of reinterpreted. Um, that was really fantastic really in terms of negatives the only thing was i i do i i understand some people when they say the pacing feels rushed and i think it comes from a good thing where in a video game you can have a lot of moments where they're fighting the infected and and because that's you know very investing gameplay for a tv show it would be hard to watch that for hours upon hours on end so they cut a lot of that out however when you cut out a lot of the action you're sort of left with just going through the the story beats of the show and it can make people feel like it feels rushed to them Hmm. and i definitely think i it didn't feel rushed to me per se but i understand the perception of how the time flows a lot faster when you're not dying repeatedly in a game a (laughs) hundred times um so, so i understood that and i do think there was a problem in the show for a while where people kept dying (laughs) and so it got Ah. to by by a very specific episode, episode seven to be exact, I I had trouble attaching to Riley because I was like, I know that you're about to be dead in 20 <laughs> minutes. So I'm not even, even though Storm Reed, I think was the performer's name, like she did a fantastic job. I was like, I'm not able to emotionally attach to you because I just know you're going to be dead in like 20 minutes. So was, was, it, was Riley's character in the video game? So that whole episode's based on a like DLC expansion. So it's technically oh. not part of like the official game. It was released like a year after the game came out. That's interesting. I, I was curious about that. Um, that whole episode when the when it came out because it it was such a. It, I mean, it was, it was essentially another bottle episode. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'd say for me, what I loved about this show is truly like how just how deep it decided to go in studying the characters of Joel and Ellie. Um, I really, and not, I won't even just say Joel and Ellie. I'll say every character they introduce. It's not just that our two main characters get the, uh, the background that they deserve. It's that every single new character they introduce episode by episode also gets the background they deserve. There, I, I think, especially on this podcast, we talk about a lot of things in the comic book genre realm where, you know, side characters, they just a lot of times get thrown in to advance the plot. And in this, it's completely different. It mm-hmm. is like, and and it's not just that um we get to meet fully fleshed out characters it's that these characters they they just paint a broader picture of the map of what the world is like in this apocalyptic time because we almost like get to we almost get to see like every possible not not every possible but we get so many different perspectives of how how human beings could respond to the world essentially ending like this, right? Like yeah. there are so many different factions. There are so many different motives behind why people act the way they do and why there are like, there's like this, this wrestling for power there in the way people 
you know, some some people you've got Fedra as this overruling oppressive regime and then you've got like the freedom fighters and then you've got the complete pacifists out completely out on their own where where we find Tommy late in the season. And I just found it all so fascinating. That was one of my favorite things about the show was just like we're going to explore that this is not a simple black and white thing and and how people are going to respond to this zombie outbreak of of fungi taking over your brain. We're going to show you that there's a whole lot of gray areas and nuance and I really love that. I thought I thought it was one of the strongest attributes to the show. Yeah, I mean for sure. I mean that was sort of the thing of that made the the video game like beyond a video game, right? Was everybody was like we've we've gotten good video games about like killing zombies before. We haven't had one that's so uh holistically as a narrative like captured what the thematics of like the world ending and what you're saying and sort of losing hope and losing faith in humanity as a construct sort of would look like and that's yeah. sort of what made it transcend just a quote like video game experience yeah so i want to hone in on the video game experience mm-hmm. trent you have played the game mm-hmm. or at least watched the walkthroughs i can't remember Did, where, so, where yeah, are you at with yes. the game so, so seeing the walkthroughs and then started playing the game and then got distracted by a million other things, mainly the Mandalorian. <laughs> so so right, I, right. I went on the back burner, um, hoping to get back to playing soon. But yeah, I played the first, like I basically played up through Tess's death in the game, but I've seen the gameplay okay. for start to finish for, for both games. Okay, cool. So with that being said, what, because... I'm not even going to ask, like, you know, was it a faithful adaptation, blah, blah, blah. I feel like that's a that's a pretty, like, easy question for the show. But, like, how how did this show do at both respecting the source material and building upon it? Yeah, I, th- I think the show, in terms of respecting, I think it did a great job. I mean, some people are critiquing it that it did it too well um, by, by ha- having a lot of moments that are dialogue word for word or moment to moment from the game. Um, and some people were like, oh, I thought they said the show was going to be different. And I'm like, yeah, but when it's a game as good as this and well received as this, like, don't don't, you know, don't fix what ain't broke kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And in terms of the changes, there were the, the were from my memory, there weren't a lot of like big ones except for the the Bill and Frank episode. And then Jackson actually doesn't come into the games until the second game. So them introducing it now was actually a pretty big difference. Is that um, is that the camp where Tommy is at? Yeah, yeah, that's where okay, Tommy okay. ends up yep. being. Um, and I and I love I love that change for a very specific reason that I'll talk about when we talk about the finale. Um, I, oh, I think okay. it, I think it recontextualizes that a little bit better. Um, than than the game even does. Um, so so yeah, but aside from that, it's it's pretty much what happens in the game, except in the game, like I sort of alluded to before, there's a lot more beats of just trying to kill infected and and mostly if you're me, not succeeding and and dying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would a hundred percent be me, by the way. First of all, I'm just like I've historically have one of the worst records in terms of any kind of shooter. Um any any kind of shooter video game like your boy was getting wrecked out here in Call of Duty, Halo. Like you, you just you did you you wanted to play against me. You did not want to play with me. Um, so I didn't play the video game, and I loved this show so much. To like literally the other night when I finished these episodes, I'm talking to Haley. I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> like you don't understand. This is peak television right here. I I don't know if I've ever seen anything this good. Um. 
do you think it matters whether you watch or whether you played the game or watched the the cutscenes beforehand if you would enjoy it less or more <laughs> i don't think you would enjoy it i think i think the only effect that really happened for people who knew the game beforehand was it was just like you were waiting you were it's, it, it is that thing of with any adaptation you're waiting to see what they're going to change and if that's going to annoy you and then for this one the big thing obviously was everybody who knew the game going in was like how are they going to do the ending like everybody was oh, sort of waiting okay. week to week and being like are we going to get are we going to get to the hospital and is everything going to go down the exact same way um there, there were so many jokey memes about like the like the Mr. Incredible, like those who know, those who don't know. There were there were so <laughs> many of those every week. Every time Joel and Ellie would do anything, like it was yeah. Um so I so I think knowing where it was ending made you made you oh, like study like especially like, oh, like they need to make sure that they demonstrate Joel and Ellie's bond forming over these nine hours so that you understand his choice by the end. I think that was sort mm. of the big thing for people. Mm. Mm, okay well as someone who didn't play the game i would say they succeeded at that good um, good I, I i'm curious because did the game so so the first game ends where the first season ends is that correct yeah yeah basically they're like heading off obviously like i said jackson wasn't introduced so they're just sort of heading off into like the world and wilderness together i see but, okay. but it's the, but it's the same idea of like he swears that like he's telling her the truth, but you get the suspicion that she doesn't think he's telling the truth per se. Okay. And so we get, we know we're getting a season two for this show and there is a second game, but it, it seems like in different reports I've read that the second game, they may take multiple seasons to cover. Is is that correct? Yeah, and that would make complete sense because one of the things I was going to say if we talked about the second season was I'd be curious to see how they handle the pacing because I don't want to spoil anything, obviously. But there is there is like a time jump between the oh. first and the second game when you start the second game. And so I'm oh. curious if with the show, they take it more of a direct sequel approach where you literally pick off where the first game le left off and then you go sort of from the end of the first game slash first season right up like right up until... Um, when the second game starts, which is a couple a couple months, I think. Um, after oh, that actual. would be very interesting. Yeah. So, so, and the second game is super super lengthy. Um, so so I'm not surprised at all that they're saying no. This is not going to be like this one where it was one se It's one for one. It's like this this going to be a couple seasons. So, I I feel like let's talk let's talk about the pacing a little bit. Yeah. I I have I have some thoughts because. Now they're generally like there. There's a lot of content out and stuff, so like I didn't, I didn't quite keep up with this show week to week, like maybe everyone else did. Mm -hmm. There were a little bit of lulls in between when I would watch episodes. Um, how so? So I so that that plays a part into I guess like what what I think about the pacing a little bit. I did feel I know you were saying to a lot of people it felt rushed i don't know why but like for me i i it had the opposite effect for me like i kind of i kind of felt like there were moments where it dragged um where you know we come off the heels of last time we talked about this it was episode three bill and frank's episode mm -hmm. phenomenal episode and then we go into the kansas city arc which takes place like episodes four and five which i freaking loved those yeah those two episodes were 
high octane, high intensity, and also very, very like na- narrative building. And then you get to, I think it's the Jackson episode, which is episode six, which is felt important. And then episode seven, the Ellie episode to me is like, wasn't a bad episode, but if we're going to talk about pacing, that's where I think things got derailed a little bit for me. Um, and I think when you combine the fact that like episodes four and five were so, uh, like I said, high intensity, there was so much action happening. We took a very, it felt like we took a very long pause in episodes six and seven, where I didn't quite know where the plot was heading because it felt like those two episodes were solely focused on doing character development. There wasn't really a whole lot of plot going on. Then by the time we get to episode eight, things like kick up into a whole nother gear again, like, like we haven't seen on the show before. So I actually felt like that was more the pacing problem for me. Did, did you have a problem with the pacing? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think you nailed it where for me, it was episode seven was a thing where they, they basically did another, I, it feels unfair to call it this, but they did another like Bill and Frank episode where mm-hmm. it's like a bottle episode sort of isolated and they're, and they're both really good episodes. But for me, thematically, they're saying the same thing. It's like here, here's a episode where characters find a, a semblance of hope and happiness and escapism in this, you know, mm. very bleak landscape. And I think mm. I think that's a totally valid thing. And it's very true to the, the overall theme of the game and show. And so it should be in there. I think, though, having two mainly dialogue and theme-driven episodes in a nine-episode se- season, so a third basically of your season, I think, I think does mess with the pacing. And so I think, I think, no disrespect to the writers or the actors, like they all did a phenomenal job in both those episodes. But mm-hmm. I do think there could have been a conversation of like, do we need both of these? I, I yeah. think one of them would have been fine. Um, and. I understand this. For me, it was Emily, Matt, and I talked about this a lot because I was at their house when I saw Seven. We, we understood that it's like that episode was about Ellie because, you know, Joel is telling her, like, you can leave me. And she she has this flashback and she decides not to. And I'm like, we all agreed. The problem is by the end of episode six, like she gives that speech where she's like, don't mm-hmm. leave me because all it's going to leave me is more scared and alone. So we've already had this moment of her committing to Joel. And then yeah. Seven's like, oh, I have to recommit to Joel again. And having that back to back, I think, was a little confusing for me or not or not needed, at least. Yeah, I so I interpreted I interpreted episode seven like it was more so trying to. To do the the work of communicating to us that Ellie is ready to, like, lead this thing on her own, because, you know, for the for the majority of the season leading up to that point, like Joel call, calls her cargo and Joel is basically teaching her how to survive. And now it flips where Ellie has to protect Joel and keep him alive. Um, and I just felt like like to, like, honestly, I just felt like what Ellie goes through in episode eight does that more than the flashback sequence we get that takes place in all of episode seven. Like, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. That episode seven, I feel like, says more about like how people find joy and uh, you know just little crumbs of joy in the midst of this disaster um, than it does like setting up Ellie to be the hero. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It felt like I also <laughs> this is this is separate, but I also had this thought like 
episode seven. We'll talk about it in more detail like later. But Joel is like on this bed dying, bleeding out. And Ellie like opens the door and then she like takes a little glance and and it cuts to the flashback. And then we watch the entire flashback scene and then come back. And I'm just like, it kind of it kind of seems like what if Ellie like took that entire amount of time to think about all those moments in her life? <laughs> yeah, just, and then Joel's just like, hey, I'm over here dying. Joel's no over big deal. here dying. Ellie's reliving memory lane for about an hour and a half as Joel bleeds out on the mattress. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That that's those are my those are my thoughts on on what happened in in those two episodes. But yep, nope, um, I mostly agree. Yep. So let's let's go episode by episode now. Yeah. Uh we'll start where we left off last time, episode four, titled Please Hold My Hand, directed by Jeremy Webb and written by Craig Mason. And this is what starts the the Kansas City arc, as I guess mm-hmm. what we'll call it. Is they Joel and Ellie, they're on their way to Wyoming. Um and they get stopped in Kansas City and essentially get attacked and then have to have to quickly find a way to to lay low because Kansas City is in the middle of an uprising Mm -hmm. uh Trent what did you how'd you feel about episode four yeah I thought this one was really interesting because like I sort of said at the beginning here this is sort of the beginning of the the Joel and Ellie bond against Joel's better intentions um, you know, this is where like the pun book really starts coming yes. into play, which I, yes. which uh, Trent loves some good puns, guys. So, <laughs> so I, every time that came up, I was like, ah, yes. Um, no, and I thought that was great. Um, and and really, this this is sort of the beginning of us seeing the 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 vicious Joel that we've heard about from other characters, and mm-hmm. and also you know Ellie beginning to lose her her innocence, which is going to reach that apex by the end of episode eight. Which oh my gosh, we'll we'll <laughs> talk about that for sure. <laughs> oh my um, goodness. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I thought I did a good job with that. I this one the this one was another one where I felt the pacing was a little slow though. Where I was like, mm. we're, we're, it felt like we were in that one room in like the laundry mat or whatever in Kansas City for a tad too long. But again, yeah. I get I get why it's there because again, you need the Joel Ellie time. And I do love the idea of, you know, Kathleen. We we learn more uh-huh. about her backstory in episode five. But I do love this idea of she started this revolution against Fedra or at least continued, I guess, the, the revolution. And then now she's sort of in a very like authoritarian position mm-hmm. of sort of doing what she she pleases with people. So I do think that commentary of of how hopelessness and, and power combine to create a really uh, toxic like environment was really super fascinating um but episode five man for me is where oh this gosh. this arc truly shines and truly devastated me in a lot of ways oh my yep. gosh yep same maybe maybe the most out of anything in the show five um, or eight for sure five or eight it, it, it's a it's a it's a horse race I, let's uh let's i feel like let's talk about these two episodes simultaneously because they're sure. so intertwined so episode five is titled endure and survive it's uh got the same directing writing crew as episode four which makes sense um kathleen who you talked about just a second ago this is one of my favorite characters in the entire show Mm -hmm. because when you meet her in episode four she is very like you meet her and she's like 
all business, like all gas, no breaks. I'm going to, you're either going to give me the information I want or I'm going to kill you as she's like talking to this doctor. And you learn that like this guy is Fedra. And at least for me, I was like, oh, okay. Like this, this woman's trying to, trying to start something here. Um, so when we're introduced to her, I'm, I'm like on her side. I'm like, oh, they're actually like, they might be ready to overthrow Fedra. And then you learn like it's already happened. Fedra's mm-hmm. Fedra's gone. And now, like you said, Trent, like she is on she's the authoritarian on the hunt now. And we meet the the two boys that she is hunting in this episode. We meet Henry um, and his brother, Sam. And why, why don't you I'll, I'll flip it over to you now. What how'd you feel about the introduction of Henry and Sam and their bond with Joel and Ellie in this episode. Oh my gosh. It was it was so well done. Like it was so well done. I, I kind of forgot their section of the game a little bit. So this one was a nice like treat of like, oh yeah, this is how this happens, and then and then it gets big sad. Um but <laughs> but but no, it's so well done because you're like, what what could Henry have done to like right. earn such such hatred from Kathleen? And then you're, and then he's just, he admits, he's like, oh yeah, I did collaborate with Fedra. And you're like, uh, given what we know now about Fedra, not, not a great look. But then he's like, it was for Sam to get like leukemia treatment. You're like, oh, well that, that, that adds context for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and no, seeing Sam and Sam and Ellie form their bond, I was like, oh no, like this is adorable, but also I have a feeling this is not going to end well for all involved. So, so I'm having a lot of emotions, but yeah, yeah, like them getting to bond over comic books and have that little moment of pure, just kid oh, joy was, uh, it was so well done. So great. So well acted. Um, no. And then we get this, this great moment with Kathleen too, even where, cause the cliche with Kathleen would have been like, she, she was on the hunt and then like Henry steps out and he like apologizes and she's yeah. like, Oh my gosh, I've gone too far. And like, yeah. I need to back it off but no the show like her henchman's talking to her and she's like oh yeah my brother told me to like choose forgiveness over vengeance like he said that he forgave henry already and she's like i'm not a good enough person to do that i was like oh okay she's just owning the fact that she knows this is messed up but she just straight up is too far gone i i think that oh my god it's depressing but it's but it's earned and it's well written yes it is It, it, it is depressing it's totally depressing but it's like it's so real because we know people go through these kinds of waves in real life right and like i i do feel like sometimes a lot of these stories that we do get the like we the we're not cheated out of anything it's just like the redemption arc gets chosen so quickly and easily without it feeling without it feeling earned and and this example is the complete opposite and you're like okay this completely makes sense what I um what I really loved about this episode is that conversation you're talking about where like she's referring to her brother as this man who was forgiving and and that's how he led. And like, you know, it takes me back to the quote from Black Panther where uh uh T'Chaka's speaking to T'Challa in the ancestral plane and he says it's hard for a good man to be king. Mm-hmm. and this is like that same concept right here it we see that this resistance movement in kansas city 
it failed under her brother's leadership. And now that she's taken over, they overthrew Fedra, but it's like at what cost? Because now we're going to see what happens later in, in episode five. But one of the craziest things to me is how one of her henchmen open up that door in whatever building it is. And the literal gravel is moving up and down because there are clickers underneath trying to escape. And they're like, should we check this out? And she's like, nah, like, it'll be all right. <laughs> Don't. She's like, it's I'm all sure, good. I'm sure it's nothing. I'm sure it's nothing. That that concrete pavement looked like some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Mm. And she was content to be like, nope, we'll come back and fix this later. Like, because she was so focused on the vengeance and yeah. retaliation against Henry Sam. It's just like, you know, she may like I there's no doubt that she's a fantastic leader in terms of accomplishing what she sets out to do, but it's like at what cost? Yeah. You know, when you lose the humanity as a leader, what what are you leading your people into? So I, I felt like that was a really, really nice commentary that that they sprinkled in there. So. No, and like you said, like I know a lot of people were disappointed by the lack of lack of clickers and infected in the show. For me, for me, it allowed the show to avoid what I what became for me the problem of the first four seasons of The Walking Dead, where since zombies were in every episode, you sort of learned which zombie situations were dangerous. It's like, oh, there's only three of them. They're good. Or if they if they did die from the three of them, you're like, that's weird. I've seen you handle 20 of these things before. Whereas yeah. I feel like with The Last of Us, because the infected were so um, sparse and like spread out, it was like, oh, no, it doesn't matter if it's one clicker or 20. It's just like these are always a problem. Yeah. And so when like that truck falls through the street and the bloater <laughs> like i'm sad moscano isn't here to talk about his bloater because he teased I know, that the last time because oh my gosh when he ripped the dude in half i was like wow we're that we're was terrifying going for it. <laughs> um no that whole moment was great um it's it, one of my favorite joel and ellie moments in the entire series is when ellie realizes that henry and sam are in trouble and she looks up at joel who sees her through the scope and she yeah. just basically non-verbally tells him like i'm gonna go get them like so yeah. if you want to help me out like you can but i'm but i'm going <laughs> and he like without hesitation he's like cool switching gears like i'm taking out whatever clickers i can and she's on the move and it's yeah. just such a good like team building moment for them uh and then we get creepy little awesome five-year-old clicker girl doing gymnastics into the back of the suv yes oh is, gosh that was freaky <laughs> oh was my god horrifying but so well done yes um no that whole that whole scene i like i said i know a lot of people were disappointed with the the infected level but i they they delivered i thought for that moment especially oh my gosh yeah i actually will say like coming into the show thinking having no knowledge and just knowing like some form of zombies are going to be in this show. I also was like, huh, not a lot of zombies. Um, but I felt like they made up for it in so many other ways. I, I don't know. It's it's not worth a critique for me, you know? Mm -hmm. But this episode absolutely delivered on that promise. Like, I that it was terrifying. It was mm -hmm. terrifying. But at the same time, you know, Kathleen is hellbent on killing these two these two boys and you know it's gonna happen unless something intervenes and so when the truck falls through and you see all the clickers pop out it's like i'm not happy all these people are about to die but i'm also i'm relieved that henry and sam are going to make it out okay because that's essentially what we know is about to happen 
Mm-hmm. Well, okay-ish until exactly. Until, until I was about to scene. say. <laughs> so yeah. So then the next scene, we find out Sam has been infected, mm-hmm. and Ellie comes up with the idea. Like we don't know how. She's like, I don't know how, but I am immune. Maybe it has to do something with my blood. So I'm going to give you some of my blood and hope that it works. Did you think, Trent? Well, I don't. I guess you you've watched the game, so you knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I'll speak for myself and say that I they this this did a real number on my heart because mm-hmm. I was fully like convinced, like, oh, it's going to work, it's going to work. They found a way. Oh, thank God, I can't deal with this anymore. And then when she comes and gently sits on the bed next to him and he completely flips out and has completely turned as a clicker my mm. heart my it, heart sank, it was bro. it was hard man and i i forgot i forget if it's the, i think it is that way in the game too i always forget that henry's the one that has to that has to kill him yeah and that that whole scene is just uh, it's, it's the worst i i literally sent emily matt like the fame it's a pretty famous gif of like idris elba flipping a desk and so it was, <laughs> i sent them that and i was like me after watching like the last episode like it was just like uh it's and then like uh, Ellie writes the like I'm sorry on the notepad and just oh, leaves it on the gravesite. It was like uh, and she just takes it so personally. Um, yeah, no, it's it's heartbreaking, and and especially for since we learned like all of the the sacrifices Henry made and you know the, the moral compromises to get Sam medical treatment, and then for him to be yeah. the one to have to kill. Uh, it's just yeah it's tragic it's messed up but it's it's so well written as as with most things in this show it's a broken record to say it but it it really is it is i I mean like it completely destroys you inside because i for me it was the fact that it looked certain that they were going to die at the hands of kathleen and then they miraculously escape it's the Hmm. fact that they give you that sense of like oh yes they did it they got out only to like within seconds completely mm-hmm. obliterate all of those feelings and no it's it's literally it's the infinity war effect where like thor like yeah. unleashes like stormbreaker into thanos's chest and you're like they got it and then that like, yes. snap comes in like and you're just like ah. you're absolutely right it's exactly yeah it's exactly that oh my gosh and and the the kid played henry too in this episode mm. oh my gosh incredible so good just incredible stuff so I I'm gonna say let's let's move on from let's this. Let's move on before because... I get very sad and in my feelings here because it'll exactly. happen soon. Bro, I felt I felt the soul starting to leave my body as we were talking about it. Um, episode six is titled "Kin." It's directed by Jamila Zonic. I I have no idea. That, um, that that's a good effort. That that's about what I read. I apologize for mispronouncing because I'm certain I did. But um. We are, this is the episode where we go to Jackson, um, and Joel is reunited with his brother, Tommy, and they meet Tommy's wife, Maria, and there is a whole lot of, like, weird reunited feelings between the brothers and how much they've changed or not changed, and then Ellie trying to find where she fits in this, like, quote-unquote family, uh, and we see a totally different this is what I was talking about earlier, like a totally different reaction to the uh, to this pandemic is we're not going to become like this this warlord 
group that tries to overthrow Fedra. We're actually going to isolate completely away from everybody mm-hmm. and do a completely communal community. I mean, they call it communism, you know, like it yeah. is literally like, but in like in a very small setting in probably its purest form of simply everybody in this together living together harmoniously is essentially what they're pitching it as. So Trent, what'd you, what'd you think? Yeah. Like I said, uh, this was, this was the big change because Jackson does not come into play until, until the second game. It's it's just um, Joel and Joel and Ellie have found Jackson at some point between games. And then that's where they oh, ended okay. up. Um, okay. At least that's how the game approaches it. Um, but yeah, I, I loved introducing it here. Um, no, uh, like if, I know a lot of people are talking about Emmys for this show. If Pedro like gets it for this show, mm-hmm. the clip better be like where he's talking to Tommy and he's like, I fail in my sleep. Like, and he just gives mm. that whole heartbreaking speech about how he's like, I'm not physically or mentally who I was. And like, I can't fail another daughter again, basically like, Oh my gosh, that scene's just devastating. Like I said, yeah. Ellie's speech where she's yeah. like, everybody's left me except for you is devastating. Yes. Um, and I, th- I think introducing Jackson so point so important because a lot of critiques when the game came out about the ending was like, okay, great, Joel has saved Ellie, but now she's just going to die in the woods with him somewhere. And it's, it's, it's purely a selfish thing. And it still is a selfish thing. But I think by introducing Jackson, we have this concrete proof of it's like, oh, no, there is a community where like Ellie and Joel could live a a somewhat full and happy life and she could have friends and a community and stuff like that and so it's not just he's he's say you know rescuing her from the hospital just for his own companionship but she actually could have yeah. a semblance of a life somewhere yeah and so i th- yeah. I think it makes his choice a little more well-rounded by the time we get to the finale and i think that's probably why they introduced jackson in this season if i had to guess i that makes a lot of sense knowing now what you said i'm so glad this episode is here and it, and it does a lot because Tommy was who Joel was longing for to reunite with. Like that's the last person he has left basic. Like, cause at this, I don't think at this point he's viewing Ellie as like someone he can cling to. Tommy's the last person he can kind of cling to, um, that he has from his past life. And I think him getting to Jackson and seeing how much Tommy has changed and like, He's this peaceful man and Joel is still this like very emotionally unresolved and violent person. And I think Joel was looking for Tommy to be on the same page as him and and he wasn't. And I, I also think that plays a factor into why leaving this episode, Joel, I, I think now views Ellie as someone that he can cling to and open up and be honest with about his past yeah um, which is something we did not see prior to this episode so i i did also really appreciate what this episode does for the bond between joel and ellie um you have any you have any other thoughts on on this episode no just that i love i love the couple in the opening who are just living in a cabin and oh yes i forgot about like why do you use the gun on him and she's like it's over there like it's too far and then (laughs) 
it's like, it's like yeah. and then they're like if you don't point to the spot on the map where your wife said like we're gonna kill both of you and he's like you tell him the truth and she's like yeah i had no reason not to and so yeah yeah their whole dynamic i'm just like yeah give me a little like 10 episode mini series of just them living <laughs> their best life in the, in the wyoming wilderness it's pretty great and and to reiterate your point too like this was the this was the Pedro Pascal episode yes. where he just absolutely shined like no other no other p- part in the season. I felt like like this is it. This was a very, very, very good episode. Um, it didn't have as much, you know, stakes on it, but it was it it, it laid the foundation for what we got later. Um, episode seven, we talked about this one a good amount already. Yeah. Um, it's titled Left Behind, directed by Liz Johnson, written by Neil Druckmann. Uh, this is Ellie's flashback scene, and at the end of episode six, Joel is stabbed. So, episode seven is all about Ellie trying to save Joel's life, and then we go on a trip down memory lane. So, I w- was there any parts about the flashback in general that uh, you really liked that you want to talk about? I, I do like the idea that Ellie did have this other s- sort of not father figure quite, but like a teacher in that, in the one Fedra officer who's like, Oh, I actually, Oh yeah. I actually believe in your potential. And I know that you're just like being aggressive to, cause you're afraid of letting people in and sort of trying to put off the air that you don't care. Um, so I, I really liked that scene and I do love like the friendship with Riley and you Mm. see, you see a lot of how she informed, um, Ellie's personality. So, so yeah, Yeah. it was, it was, it was, it was definitely like a fun little um, Easter egg, almost episode of of uncovering more yeah. layers of her psychology for sure. So, I'm, so I'm glad it exists from a character perspective for for Ellie. I just feel like when it showed up in the timeline of the show, like literally, if it was like a couple episodes earlier or something like that, I I think I would I would feel less bothered about where it shows up. Mm. That's an interesting point. I agree with you. Um... I agree with you on on where it shows up in the in the duration of the show. Earlier would have been better in my opinion too. But I I'll say what I enjoyed about it was the pure like you get to see Ellie experience something from like a pure very wholesome perspective. You know, like the like, escalator, like like yes, like Riley's oh ready to gosh. show her the arcade games stuff, and like the escalator trips Ellie out, and even Riley's yes. like laughing. And she's like, "Oh yeah, that can be a wonder of the mall, I guess." Like, sure, the escalator. Yeah. yeah, I thought so too, and it was just really, it was really sweet to see her and Riley experience all these things in the midst of catastrophe, and just and just enjoy it, and just simply enjoy it. And I and I just felt like. That was that was needed because when we flash forward to episode eight, like you said, like Ellie's in Ellie's innocence is completely gone. Mm -hmm. And in episode seven, we got to see that it was there. You know, she was I think she was born in. Yeah, yeah. We because we see it later. She was born in the fallen uh, pandemic world that they're living in. She was born into apocalypse. She never saw a world that was like unaffected by this disease. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and so getting getting to see that like she could still find that pure enjoyment of something in the midst of that was important. I also felt like it was kind of. I, I I did feel like it was important to like note Ellie's just overall like awareness, uh, being so strong early in her life 
because Riley joins the Fireflies and she comes to show she does all of this to basically recruit Ellie to join with her. And Ellie's like, well, what makes you think the Fireflies like are doing everything right? Or like, you know, like, sure, Fedra's messed up, but like there's actually like I might actually have some stability here. And that's just not I feel like this is not something a kid says and recognizes and thinks through. Right. Um, And it makes Ellie different in that in that way. And I think it makes her character more believable when you see like what she's able to do in episode eight. Um, so maybe I'm even going back on my on my point earlier about Ellie being ready to lead. I, I just like I, I found that fascinating that like, you know, this child is, you know, living in Fedra uh, QZ is like, actually, this might be a smarter decision for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But. I want to get to episode eight. This, Let's uh, do it. This thing is crazy. Uh, it's titled When We Are in Need. Directed by Ali Abbasi mm-hmm. and written by Craig Mazin. And Joel Joel's wound has become infected. Ellie is hunting for some food, shoots down a deer. Great shot, Ellie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she's encountered by David and James. Um, I believe David is the like the the weird pastor cult leader guy. Yeah. I think yeah. that's David. James is like the the friend. James um, is also played by OG Joel, uh, Troy Baker. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's a nice that's a nice little touch. Yeah. I did not realize that. That's really cool. Um, and so Ellie makes a trade with them. Mm-hmm. I will give you this deer that I just uh, shot down in exchange for medicine to treat my friend. Well, James and David were. So I actually want to clarify this with you. Make sure I get this right. Mm-hmm. Men, the men from their camp were the men that stabbed Joel. Is that? Yeah, yeah. When they okay. had the like the little raiding party outside of the university hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was okay. their camp, and and the 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 funeral like at the opening of episode eight for the one guy is the guy that Joel like the guy that literally stabbed Joel that Joel also oh, killed back. Oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. Okay, wow. Okay, wow. Okay. Because that as for a while I thought they were lying because I was like I don't who did who would Joel have killed that they know. Right. But, I I was also confused until I read that in like the Wikipedia in like in sequence oh, okay. and I was like, "Oh, that that makes sense actually." Yep. That it does make sense and it makes sense for what they say. Like they say that they were out hunting and that's why I couldn't like rationalize that that group that Joel killed someone in was the same group from this camp, but we know now we know they weren't they weren't hunting deer. Uh they were hunting something far worse. So oh, yes. um they come back, give Ellie her medicine, but they also try to kidnap Ellie mm-hmm. and then uh part of the group wants to kill her mm-hmm. and then David wants to rescue her and save her. And then Joel gets escapes mid infection in his gut from this stab wound. And we see violent Joel. Uh, we, we see him make his his reappearance into the world. Yeah, let's just, we let's do. just say that. So there's a lot happening in this episode. I'm trying to hit all the beats because there's there's so much going on. But I, I'll stop there, Trent, and say. 
how'd you feel about how this all unfolds in episode eight? Uh, it's it's brutal, man. I mean, th- this is one where I understand some people saying the pacing is rushed because it feels like there's so much that happens from, like you're saying, like Ellie going hunting and then making the trade and then being kidnapped and them debating about what to do. And then also Joel recovers enough to fight back and interrogate the two dudes. Um, side note, that scene's awesome. Where, like, yes, he interrogates the guy and he's like, you better tell me the same thing he did. And then, like, he kills the one guy or, and then like the other guy's like, you didn't have to do that. Like, how do you know I'm going to tell you the same thing? He's like, no, nah, it's okay. I believe him. And then he just kills the other guy. Like, ugh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just full, full beast dad mode, ready to protect his little <laughs> adopted child. Um, Incredible. And, and, and yeah. And then, and then David, David goes from like, I kind of forgot the, the David plot arc from the game. And so like, I, I was skeeved out like from the jump but i kind of forget and then like as it kept going i was like oh yeah that's right this gets like worse and and worse <laughs> and worse yeah um and and then david ends up being really really scummy by the end um oh absolutely horrible yeah and and then you know poor ellie gets traumatized beyond belief and yep. but but again it's all earned. i like i love when they're like they're gonna like chop her up and eat her she like is so smart enough to be like but i'm infected like i have yes. a it's, she's oh, like it's yes, ru- she's so like it's too. ruined meat like <laughs> yeah yeah i thought the same thing and then like the oh the stupidity that they just leave the meat cleaver laying right next to her and they're like oh, oh i know oh my gosh it they had it coming though um yep yeah i felt like really smart on the show they portray james or i'm sorry david in the beginning at least like someone who may be flawed but like he's trying to do he's trying to do right by his community mm-hmm. um he's trying to genuinely like lead these people and keep them like fed and safe and then the slow corruption throughout the entire show because then he's like comes across as the righteous one because he wants to save ellie while the rest of them all want to murder her and then you realize the whole reason he wanted to save her is to like you know recruit her to you know help me lead and it also comes across in this weird <clears throat> like this weird romantic kind of way and it's just like very creepy um but the whole la- let's talk about the whole last sequence of this episode yeah. because yes we should Ellie is almost butchered because we find out that this community is literally cannibalistic yep. um which is terrifying yeah they so try- did, did you did you have any like inclination to that at all like when there's just the scene of them eating like the stew in silence no, for five minutes no okay i did not i that, that's what i started to remember i was like oh yeah the game does this and i'm like is this what this is and sure enough yeah i did not i i was just thinking like i i genuinely oh but this makes so much sense now because i thought they were eating the deer that they brought back from the hunt that's why they and that's why they showed the deer oh that makes so much sense now oh that was very clever oh very very clever oh that's disgusting now that i think about it yep um yep yeah so that's terrifying um they try to basically then turn ellie into their next meal it does not work ellie slices one of the dudes up uh, uh escapes david comes to hunt her down Ellie throws this torch at him and mm-hmm. it lights the whole camp on fire, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really great setting yeah. to to put this final sequence in because then it turns into an all out brawl and ends in one of the most terrifying images in the whole season of, yep. of Ellie slaughtering David. So what would yep. you think? 
Yeah, and no, it's it, it's it's pretty terrible because like the game sort of implies that that um David might be sexually assaulting people in his community, and then the show yeah. like confirms that he is a full on sexual predator. Yes. Um, so it's like in a span of like five minutes, Ellie is almost eaten and then sexually assaulted and then forced to brutally murder somebody in self-defense. And it's just like, wow, uh, I don't know how to process this. And the show's like, Ellie doesn't know how to process this. And just uh, the, the scene of her like wandering out into the woods and then Joel finding her is just. Oh, my gosh. Like she can't even form words. Like, yeah, no, she can't. And then he's like legit. I almost just died. Um, I'm still recovering from this wound. Yeah, when he just hugs her and is like, I got you, baby girl. I was uh, like, the tears, it's so, man. It's so perfect because it's like, it's the moment that he recognizes he has another daughter again. Yeah. He also, it's the same guilt. It's, or not the same, but it's guilt again because Ellie didn't die like Sarah, but he's so sad that he couldn't protect her from what, like, because he knows she's been through something and he's so sad that he couldn't protect her from that. Like, yep. Ugh, it's, it's beautiful, man. Uh, it's it, says, it says of the finale so well yeah so let's go to the finale um i want to be mindful of our time here uh episode nine look for the light directed by ali abasi again written by craig mason and neil Druckmann. i i just want to like i i'm not sure that um we could go beat by beat necessarily here but i do want to just like generally say trent what did you think about this finale it it was it was everything I wanted it to be, man. I mean, like yeah. we we got we got the giraffe, which is I was like I don't know yes, if they're the gonna have, they're gonna have time to include this, but I'm so happy that they did. Um, the the scene where like Joel like talks about his suicide attempt after Sarah's death, and yep. like and he's like, well, time heals all wounds, I guess, and he's like, it wasn't time that did it, and he doesn't yes. actually say that it's her, oh, but he just looks at her, and then she's like, yeah, I'm glad that didn't work out. Like it was such a great way for them to say how much they've grown to love each other without saying it um, i know i thought word so for word too. yeah it's so well done um and then the actual finale i mean this is one of the most famous endings of any fi- any fictional media i would argue of the last like five oh, or ten okay. years okay um and and i thought they i thought they handled it perfectly it's like you totally understand joel's decision but i love that from a music perspective from a camera perspective they don't show it as a a noble or heroic thing it's it's shown to be brutal and sad and and kind of messed up um and and so yeah i thought i thought it was really well done but i'm more curious to hear what you thought as somebody who had who had no idea where it was all heading okay so i have a i have a question first yeah are we to believe that the doctors that were going to operate on ellie Mm-hmm. essentially had to kill her in order to harvest this cure yeah they were they were gonna like remove pieces of her brain okay that's what i thought too so i gotta be honest it was it was horrible what joel did mm-hmm. but i was rooting for him yeah you, you I, understand it you understand <laughs> People were debating. They're like, they're like, did Joel make the right choice or the wrong choice? And I'm like, I don't think the show or the game is coming at it from that angle. All you need, yeah, like, it's like, yeah. do you understand why Joel did what he did? Um, yeah, and and I think you do. Um, so where, yeah, so so for me, I mean, I, I they they laid it out great because Joel went crazy in episode eight in killing the men in that crew that were down to hunt him. <laughs> And so him doing it again, but in a much more grander fashion made mm-hmm. complete sense to me. You know, this isn't like a novel thing that 
Joel would be doing this at this point in the season. It's like they've they've built up the fact that like he can flip a switch like this and turn into like this almost like sealed team six kind of uh militant person, right? And so yeah. um the what I found the most intriguing actually that first of all that whole sequence of like you said from everything from the music to the setting to the uh, the acting by pedro pascal as he's like desperately hunting after to find ellie was perfect what i found so most interesting was when he picks up ellie and takes her to the parking lot mm-hmm. and marlene intervenes marlene that to me was the best part yep. because joel joel's answer is like i'm sorry like i had to do this you shouldn't get to decide ellie's fate here right and what she decides to do with this because it's you know it's her body right right and she's like okay but you don't get to decide either like you're right it's not my decision it should be ellie's decision Mm -hmm. and that to me i was like that's where i was like oh my gosh she's right what what are we doing here the two adults in the room are are tripping until right. until until Marlene says this, right? Um, no, and it's great because Mar like because Marlene's saying she should get to decide, but also Marlene didn't tell Ellie what was the full extent of what exactly. was involved here either. But exactly. it, but it's great too because I I loved we didn't talk about it, but real quick the opening of this episode is of Ellie's mother Anna played by yes, Ashley Johnson, yes. original Ellie performer from the game. Um, yes, and what's so great is Marlene's like I'm willing to sacrifice this girl who's not just a girl to me but she's my best friend's daughter and my surrogate daughter and so she she couldn't fathom that like Joel couldn't make the same sacrifice where, where in her mind like he just viewed her as cargo like he yeah there, she had no idea that he had like this deep of an attachment to her and it's right. so great and like uh like he wounds Marlene and she's like okay like come on you don't have to kill me and she's like but you would never stop because I would never stop so mm. It's so great. And oh my gosh, it's just like without it's it's when they they decide to cut straight from that interaction to Joel in the car with Ellie mm-hmm. and then tell us what happened bit by bit in little short little flashback sequences. Yeah, that was so that was so clever, because when you see Marlene put the gun down and then her eyes get wide and then you see Joel's hiding a pistol underneath Ellie's leg. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that was like, that was so, that was so clever. It was just like, you like he couldn't do it. He legit could not do it. And then really it's the him lying to Ellie at the yeah. end of this episode. And Ellie knowing it too. That's what's so, she, that's what's she so, knows. She 100% she knows. knows. She 100% knows and she can't get him to admit it. And it's, it's just chef's kiss. It's yeah. it's I, it's incredible because this wouldn't have happened earlier in the season, but now they've built up trust with each other. There's actually like there is some there is a relationship there that is fragile and can be broken. And now there's something that could break it. And we have to wait and see now. We have mm-hmm. to wait. And we it's did. just it's it's perfect. It's a perfect cliffhanger ending uh in a not in a narrative way, but in a way of like, do we think that we spend this whole season watching these two people like essentially accept this father daughter relationship and like mm-hmm. genuinely love each other? Is that going to last? We have to wait and find out. It's, yeah. It was incredible. Oh, man. So that's my reaction, Trent. It was crazy, man. There you go. It was there you go. Absolutely crazy. Um, I, I loved it. 
I, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. And there's little things I think that we talk about now that where I feel that way. There's few things where I feel truly like I have no idea what's about to happen next. Mm-hmm. And this show did it. This show yeah. did it for me. As someone who didn't play the game, this show did it in a very real way. So absolute kudos to the to the writing crew and directing crew on this because it was just a phenomenal job on all accounts. Yep, um, I'm, I'm the same way. I, it was it was a tall order, and everybody was like, "Can they actually match match you know how great the game is?" And I I think overall they really succeeded. So Bravo, I think so can't too. wait to see where they go next. I think so too. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh, you two questions as we wrap up. Mm-hmm. One, what was your favorite episode? And then two, could you give this a grade? I mean, I I think from an overall plot narrative theme, I think episode eight has to be like the best one that like everything that's great yeah. about this show yeah. in a microcosm. It, it, it's a close between eight and five. Um, mm, it, it's for yeah. sure those two for me. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it, it feels it feels high, but I got to give it the A. I'm not going to give it the, the A plus or the S tier, but I, I do think except for some some pacing stuff and some maybe some changing of the episode order there there's very few straight up i don't think there's any actually straight up like missteps this show took in this first season um i'm not gonna go ahead and put this in like best shows of all time category but i but i think i could be potentially saying this is one of the best first seasons of a show i've seen in a long time um no it's it's really solid work all the way around i'm I'm torn. I think uh, I actually I think I enjoyed episode nine the most. I think that was the finale was probably my favorite. It's the one I've thought about the most. Mm -hmm. But I do think episode eight was the best executed episode from from all angles from start to finish. Um, I'm going to give it an S. I believe I believe this is S tier quality, Trent. Like, I just feel like. There's so much to praise. And it really feels like I'm nitpicking when I talk about the things that didn't work for me. For sure. Because for sure. even within those things, there's still so much that works. Yeah. And so it's just like, I, I, I've i rarely left watching a show like this feeling like so satisfied with how it, it, how it took me on a journey from start to finish and like ended in such a powerful way. And left me wanting more for season two. So, uh, yeah, to me, that makes it S tier to me, man. Beautiful. Um, Love it. I can't wait to see what this show could win awards wise when we talk Emmys. Like, I, I, it's going to be it's going to be up there. I think <clears throat> two shows we covered on this podcast, Trent and or in The Last of Us. I, I really feel like they've got some award potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I'm very excited about it. So, yeah. Um I think that's going to wrap it for for today's podcast episode. Trent, thank you so much for putting this rundown together, hopping on, and this was this was a great time. No, it was I I loved this show and I'm glad that we got we got a chance to talk about it. I know we tried to cover a lot. I hope we hit on everybody's <laughs> sort of big big, uh, big moments for them and talked about the big stuff. Um but yeah, no, great work all around cast, crew, cinematography, acting, writing, editing. Everything was passing with flying colors with this. It was amazing. It was amazing. And I'm so glad we watched it. I'm so glad we got to talk about it. And we can't wait for season two. So mm-hmm. we'll be waiting. We'll be eagerly waiting for season two. Um, as always, thank you for listening. 
You can go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a rate and review. Let us know what you thought about this episode. Give us some feedback uh, in the episode poll on Spotify, if you're listening on Spotify, and then let us know on Instagram. Let us know what you thought in the comments. Uh, we're, we're eager to, to hear your thoughts on The Last of Us. So you'll hear Trent and I, and hopefully Joseph will join us uh, again as well to talk about The Mandalorian. Uh, as we continue to progress through season three. So we will be back. Please join us for more. And thank you for listening.